And that doesn't mean that we're not going to hold this and do this this way. But ministry is not just about a select few people who stand up on stage and you guys sitting out there in your comfortable chairs <laughs> as a bunch of consumers. Okay? We've also talked about this biblical idea that we're a kingdom of priests. And that means this, that every person here is to be a priest. Every person here, in some sense, is to be a pastor. Every person here is to be a missionary. We've talked about how, if we're going to do this, this starts at my street corner and at your street corner. Because we all have a street corner, a place where we do life. We've talked about this being 24-7, 365, wherever God has placed us at our street corner. We've used words like this, 90-10, where we want to see 90% of what God is doing in this community and through this community be outside of a Saturday, Sunday morning experience or gathering and out there in the world, 90% of it. And so here we are on this journey and I told you last, last week that this month is going to look different. What we're going to do today is we're just going to lay this out, what this month is going to look like. We're going to pray a little bit, and then we're going to end with commissioning every person to live out the things that we're laying out this morning. So with that being said, I think the first step into today is that we pray. And if God has put anything on your heart right now, Maybe keep it to a sentence prayer, but uh, we don't want to take for granted how God just meets with us here. We need him desperately today. Loud and proud, could some of you just pray what's on your heart? We're, we're, we're sick of being just walled in, and we want to just see you kick the door down. And like uh, calves going out of their stalls for the first time after being cooped up all winter, God, we just, we want to we get out, Lord. And we want to be the church. We bless your name. All right, uh, as we lay this out, uh, we thought that there might be some questions. And so if you have any questions, um, do you all have a quad? There's something on that quad where you can just tear off, and there should be spot in that tear-off section where you can write any question that you might have. And all you need to do is uh, bring it to the back. Um, bring it right back to our sound table. Randy will be back there. We really want you to leave this morning with no questions, okay? Not asking you to... Uh, fully agree with everything, but even though we're anticipating a ton of excitement. Well, let me just uh, say just a few more things. Um, about a month ago, as I was thinking and praying about what to teach next, I just had no peace at all about moving forward. Kind of like, hey, done with this sermon series, let's go on to the next one. And I think part of the reason is just because I don't treat this stuff as just information. This is God's word, and God wants to do it to, for the purpose of transformation. And so I was thinking, how have, how have we been transformed? How are we going to live this? How are we going to 
as a church, put a stake in the ground and say, we're serious about being God's community, God's city for this city. And so I started to imagine and dream with other ministry leaders about what this might look like. And the question kept coming up, how do you say that we're, we're really serious about this, that we don't just come here to sing songs and listen to sermons? And one of the things that kind of came to my mind is this. Sometimes a good thing can become the enemy of a great thing. And so it was decided that the leadership move would be. Leadership move sometimes doesn't make everybody happy, but it's the thing that God's calling you to, so you pursue it with all your heart. The leadership move here was to set aside a good thing our weekend gatherings for two weeks. One week just didn't feel long enough. Two weeks felt like, all right, we're serious about this. We're going to set aside our weekend gatherings for two weeks so we can pursue a great thing, being the church to our street corner. And so this is what we thought this month would look like this month being the month of June, if you're still back in May, <laughs> like me. <laughs> um, this weekend, of course, we're just laying out the vision for this month, and we want to commission everyone. Then the next two weeks, we're not gathering here at Walker Charter School. We're going to get out of our chairs, and we're all going to be the church at our street corner. Today, we'll show you a little bit about what this can look like. Then the final weekend of June, we're going to come back here again, just as we are right now. We'll have two gathering times, 9 and 11. And I just see this as a time of celebration. I see this as a time of high-fiving. I see this as a time of maybe some of you are a little bit discouraged, didn't go quite the way you want it. So, hey, um, we're going to just encourage each other, pick each other up and keep each other uh, pointed towards the mission of this church. And so, really, what this month of June is, I want you to hear this. This is our best attempt to say a couple of things. Number one, we're dissatisfied, incredibly dissatisfied, with church being limited to a Sunday morning and these four walls. Number two, it's Crossroads saying, we are not here for ourselves. We're not. We are here for what's outside these walls for this city, for our respective street corners. And it's saying to God, I really think this is all part of it, we're saying to God, God, we want to partner with you. You see us? You see us? You see a partner? We want to partner with you to change this city. As someone recently described Crossroads, I can't take credit for this. I wish I could, that we're the locker room church. <laughs> and I, I, I love that because I, I love the locker room, my experiences in the locker room. And the reason I love the locker room so much is because I love having teammates. I love it. And I look at you guys and I just feel like, we're just, we're just team. And you guys, we're all just a bunch of teammates. 
The other reason I love the locker room so much is because, for me, that was the place where uh, we would all be before the game and after the game. And it was usually after the game that I loved the most. You'd be like, guys would be all sweaty. Sometimes there'd be blood on the uniform. And one guy over here would be discouraged because he thought he played bad. It'd be an opportunity to just pick that guy up. Um, there'd be high fives. There'd be all that. I love that. And in my mind, that's what the church ought to be, and that's what this ought to be. But a team doesn't live in the locker room. And a team can't wait to get out on that playing field. Can't wait. And I love it. I love it that I'm part of a community where I just stated the obvious. Thank you. Thank you. So, Brad, come on up here. Brad Claver, this guy, I just want to say this. My perspective on Brad is he is such a gift from the hand of Almighty God. Um, he's had some life experiences, and God has given him some wisdom. Uh, don't look down on this guy for his youthfulness, all right? Um, because this guy is setting an example. And in my mind, as we float down this river... Brad's like 30 yards further down the river. And I'm just hoping that we can catch up with him or he can get us all caught up. But uh, Brad, God's put some things on your heart from Luke chapter 10. want to explain a little bit first. Uh, God has used this, this passage particularly in my life for the last year and has kind of uh, etched it into my heart and in a way that is very significant to how I've seen him uh, work, his, work his power in bringing the kingdom of God forth. And so uh, as we were kind of looking at how this might, how this might look and praying through it, uh, God just continued to uh, surge that in me. And uh, I wanted to, to share this. And it's funny how God works sometimes, how he reveals his word. Uh, I've been kind of reading this. And this is something that, uh, that I almost have memorized. But I mean, just, God, what do you want, what do you want to say through, this, through your word today? And uh, it wasn't until last night after a long day of yard work that I was in the shower. And, and God just kind of poured it all out. And I, and I got out of the shower. All right, I know, I know what he wants to say. So... Uh, it's just kind of funny how God works sometimes, but I, I just bless God for how he, how he is, is speaking through his word. Uh, so as you, as you listen to this, uh, may you ask that same question, what, what does this look like for me and for my family uh, for this next month as well? So Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into this harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. 
Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. And jumping down to, to verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is God's word. You can sit down. So as we're kind of looking through, what, what does this look like for us over the, over the next month? And, and how do we apply this to our own lives, to our families, to, to what God is saying about his church, about what he desires of us as partners, as priests and ambassadors of his kingdom? And so uh, there's just a couple things here that I want to I bring out that, that for me have, have really kind of thrust me forward in confidence and knowing what God's desires are for me. Uh, but I think that he has that spoken for, for us as a community as well. And so, um, first of all, I want to just, uh, want to just explain to you that Jesus is talking to 72, uh, 72 of his followers. These aren't his 12 disciples that we would normally think of. They, they aren't the, the, the men who have been kind of in that core um, but these are 72 men and women, perhaps, that, that have been with him, that have been following him, that know him, have been spending time with, them, with him, and have, have learned his words and his teachings and have, have put them in their, in their heart and who are excited about what he's bringing forth in his kingdom. And so uh, that should be right off the bat an encouragement for us uh, as, as, as normal men and women uh, that Jesus calls 72 normal men and women to go out before him and preach the kingdom of God. Uh, that, that should be an encouragement to us. So, uh, so first of all, he says that, but in this passage, he's not only commissioning his, these 72, but he's also instructing them. So this is kind of what this, this day today is, is supposed to be for us as a community. This is, this is a vision casting like, like what Jesus is giving. This is a commissioning uh, for, for what's going to happen in, in the next three weeks, really. It's two Sundays, but it's three full weeks. And then, uh, and then as the disciples came back and, and celebrated what God was doing, uh, so we, we too will celebrate. Uh, what God is doing. Uh, but first, there are three specific things that, that Jesus is touching on. And first is that Jesus sends out uh, his disciples, the 72, two by two. He's not saying, just go out, go by yourself, uh, go alone to these countries, to these cities uh, that I have for you, uh, but go out two by two. Now, this is significant for us as well, because what it's saying here is that, uh, that we aren't to go alone, uh, that community is important, that doing this work together, doing this ministry together is important, whether it's uh, spouses or it's friends or it's family or it's neighbors, that going, going out in, in community uh, not only uh, brings encouragement, brings accountability, but brings a strength. Uh, but at the same time, this is the thing that's most powerful to me is that uh, when, when, when God says where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there as well. It's, it's a group of three and it's Therefore, a church, and he's sending out these small churches 
to these cities. And so he's, he's moving in power in that way, and he's explaining to you, even now I am establishing my church through, these, through you going out two by two. Secondly, uh, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And he says, uh, ask the Lord of the harvest to send more workers, uh, to raise up more workers out of the harvest. And what, what Jesus is explaining is that we're not, we're not needing to wait. We don't need to wait for the harvest to be grown because it's ready for it. Just as near as the kingdom of God is to us, the harvest is here. It's, it's waiting for us. And so, so, so the, natural, the natural response for us should be to go out and, and to respond in that way. And so uh, the workers are few but he's, he's telling us to, to pray and to ask the Lord of the harvest to send more workers. That means we're praying for each other. We're, we're responding in prayer for each other as we look at, as, as each other, as fellow workers, we're encouraging each other. But, but where, do, where do these fellow workers come from? That, that's kind of the question I've been asking myself through this is, what, what do these fellow workers look like? And, and certainly, we are fellow workers of the harvest field. I mean, we've, we've all come out of the harvest in some way or another. And so we are fellow workers, so certainly Crossroads community and the, the larger body of Christ beyond Crossroads, our neighbors who are part of churches uh, in Grand Rapids, who, uh, the, our neighbors who are around the world are, are fellow workers, and so we ought to be praying for them. But also it says that, that he will raise up fellow workers out of the harvest. And uh, so as we, as we look at that, um, let that sink in, that, that as you go out into your neighborhoods, that you, as you go and engage with your street corner, that the people that you are engaging with are, are, are perhaps fellow workers. So as you go in, you're, you're pouring into them. All that God has put into you, all that God has given you and spoken into you uh, as, a res- as a response to his, his commissioning, but as an expectation that what he's going to raise up in them will be just as powerful as what he's raising up in you. And then he says, I'm going to send you out like sheep among wolves. And this is the, this is, this is the thing that kind of gets me is that, you know, what Jesus is, is explaining here is, is two-part. First, obviously, as we, as we think about sheep among wolves, you think, you know, there's danger there. There's, uh, there's possible risk there. There's, um, there's thoughts of, of even maybe getting attacked. Um, and Jesus is saying the, the persecution, the suffering, uh, perhaps pain is inevitable. Uh, we should be expecting that. And, and just as, as, as the, the disciples and the, the early church counted a, counted a blessing to experience suffering like Christ and rejoiced in that, Jesus is already, ex, is, is already uh, expecting and, and setting a precedent for these 72 to expect that and to, to expect it and to, in a sense, welcome it. Uh, but then at the same time, to say, I am sending you as sheep among wolves uh, makes us think that these fellow workers that we're going into, we're not just staying here uh, as sheep among sheep. Uh, these fellow workers are among wolves right now. Uh, they're not, they're, they, they may not seem gentle, they may not look uh, like us, uh, but they, they are being prepared nonetheless. And so um, this kind of leads to the third, the third piece of what Jesus is saying to his 72 disciples here, um, and that is uh, this whole person of peace um, part. And this is where, um, where God has really um, just used, used that passage mightily. 
and, and is working in a significant way. And this is perhaps where um, I want to draw your attention to the most is as, you, as we are preparing to go out into the field. Um, that Jesus is, uh, is convey, conveying to the 72 um, that, that not only are they, are they part of and included in the wolves at this point, but they are people of peace. And so you might ask, well, what, what does this look like? How are they different uh, from the wolves? From the wolves is this. You may have, have experienced um, times where you talk to somebody and, and they, they know who you are. They know what you are about, that you follow Jesus, and they, they shut the door right in your face. That, that might not be um, a person of peace. Uh, but then there are people who, who know who you are, uh, who see Christ in your life, who see goodness in your life, and see these aspects of the kingdom of God in your life, and... and even though they, they, they may not understand and may not uh, fully grasp what it's all about, still welcome you in and, and respond to what's happening. That is, is a man and, and a woman of peace. Um, they, they respond to the peace of Jesus. As, as, as Jesus says to the 72, that as you go into these towns, uh, say, peace be with you. And if, you're, if your peace remains on that person, stay with them. Spend your time with them. Pour out on them. They will, they will show hospitality to you. They will show, uh, show goodness to you and kindness to you, uh, but pour out what he's put in you on them uh, and spend time with them. That, that is discipleship right there. That is the beginning and the core root of discipleship right there is that you're spending time with people right there. Uh, and then he also says, if it does not rest on them, but it returns to you, move on. Now, that doesn't mean we can't, we, we don't, we don't, continue praying for them and we don't continue pursuing them uh, in prayer and in love and in Christ-like, in a Christ-like manner. Uh, but that there, if, we, if we spend time with people who are not open to it and completely miss the people who are just ready and willing and hungry and thirsty for it, uh, what, what, kind of, what is that? What, what kind of growth is that? And so um, these, these people, these people of peace are welcoming. They know, it, they, they know full well who you are and that they they, with that regard, welcome you in. They welcome the kingdom of God fully as they see it through, through you. I mean, as, as Jesus says, to go into their house and to heal those who are sick and to, to, to bring hospitality to them, um, they're responding to the kingdom of God through what they see through those healings and through the hospitality and, and, and in that sense. And the bottom line here is that um, they're open to knowing more about Jesus and those are the individuals who... Um, through, through their lives and through what, what Christ does in their lives, produce fruit and produce second and third and fourth generation disciples and churches, okay? Um, so the, the, these are the ones that Jesus tells, tells the 72 to find. He says, you know, don't stay on the road too long. They, you know, the customary thing was to, to talk and really long conversations. He says, get at it. Get at it now. He doesn't say, don't dawdle on the road. Don't bring things with you. Don't, don't plan on staying in, the, in hotels on your way or anything like that. He says, get at it now and go for it. Uh, and, and, and these are the ones to find. And he, he lays it out clearly to us. Um, others may not let, let the peace of, of God rest on them. Jesus says, move on. Continue praying for them, but move on. I have people who are ready and willing now. Um, and, and, and so this, this passage, you, you might ask, okay, so what... What has this looked like? Um, for me, it's, it's, a, it's a bit, uh, it can be a bit obscure, okay? So how do we put this into practice for us? How do we, um, how do we even begin to really um, look for men and women of peace in our neighborhoods? Um, what, 
how would I know if they are men and women, uh, a man or a woman of peace, people of peace that I should spend my time with? Um, well, let me tell you this. It will come in different ways. It will look differently depending on how God is personally and individually intervening in that person's life. Just as he is, he is personally and, and individually intervening in each of us and met our needs where we are at, he's doing that same thing there, and we should be expecting that from him uh, in their lives as well. And so uh, it's, it's fun to see how that looks for us. It's fun to see how that looks uh, when, we, when we meet people of peace. Um, and, and in one example, from my, from my standpoint, um, I spent five months in Africa last fall in Cape Town uh, with a ministry called All Nations. And I was with um, people from all over the world. And we, we are um, we're going out into these townships. And, and this is who that, that, that has really, through my five months in Africa, it was, it was just kind of rooting itself in, in everything that was going on. And, and as, we, as we moved out into these townships, um, myself and a, a guy named Jonathan from Wales and a guy named Willie from Zambia, just a crazy, crazy group from all over the world, uh, we, we set foot on, on, on these streets and we said, God, we want to see as clearly as possible today the man of peace revealed to us. And we want to move into his life and we want to see you move into his life and his home and transform it. God, would you show us that today? And that was the beginning of it for us. And so as we're stepping foot, you know, Maspumalele, where we were, where we were at, is cars and chickens and people and buses and horns and music everywhere. And it's, it, how do you find a man of peace in, in that kind of situation, in that kind of environment? Um, but we began to walk and, and pray, and God, would you reveal your presence in this place? Would you show yourself? Would you, would you show us who it is? Would you make it clear to us um, who it is? We want, we want to see a man of peace or a woman of peace today. And we began to hear kind of this crying out, this, this, this yelling from, from, you know, alongside of us. And we looked, and here's this man who's kind of standing with his arm on the fence, bent over like this. And he's, he's, I mean, clearly he's is intoxicated, um, you know, which to most times you would say, okay, we'll go talk to him for a little while, you know, but usually that means he wants money. Um, so we went and talked with him a little bit. His name is Joseph. And Joseph is a Zulu man who's not from Masi, who's an alien from there, whose land is up north, um, who lives on the outskirts of Maspumalele in what's called the wetlands. It's a wet ground area. That's, that's no, no roads, no pavement, these little shacks that are all on top of each other. Um, very, very poor, the poorest area in all of Maspumalele. Okay, so, so we go and talk with him, and you learn he's married, he's got a couple kids, some, some older kids, some younger kids, um, that he's been drinking, and that he, he does drugs sometimes, and that he, uh, he, he was looking for money to go to the doctor. And we customarily don't, don't bring money into the, into the township at all anyways. Uh, but we talked with him, and, and God, what, is this it? And, and it's fun when you go out in twos or threes, and this is one thing that, that too, is that as you, it, when you're not alone, you can kind of watch the eyes of the people that you're with, too, and just kind of, is this it? Is this, is this, do you think? You know, should we spend, should we move on, you know? Uh, and, and so what we did was we just said, Joseph, could we go to your house today? Could you show us where you live? 
And he said, oh, no, no, my house is a mess. My house is dirty. You don't want to see my house. I don't, I don't want you to see it today. And, and I'm drunk, and I, you know, I, I don't want to present yourself, myself like this to you today in my house. And we said, Joseph, could you just show us where it is, and then we'll come and see you another day. We'll just, then we'll know, because it's just a maze back there. It's just, how do you, how do you know? You can't explain. So would you just show us where it is? We don't have to go in today, but we can just see where it is. And then we'll come back another day. We'll make an appointment with you. Okay, yeah, we can do that. And so here's Joseph taking, you know, walking like this all through Massey with, with me, 5'6", John, Jonathan, this Welsh guy who's here, and Willie, who's even taller than I am, this Zambian black man who, I mean, we just looked super funny, but uh, he's taking us through these maze, and he's, you know, as he's going through, he's saying, I'm taking these men to my house. I'm taking these men to my house, and, and he's telling people along the way. And, uh, and so we get to his home, and we stand outside. He said, this is where it is. The dog met us at the door, obviously, um, so we didn't go in. Um, and, and we said, Joseph, um, and this is where the practical nature of what Jesus is saying is put into practice here, saying we want to just follow this exactly to what he says and what he tells the 72 to do. Joseph, we want to... We want to bestow the peace of God upon your house today. We want to show you that, that, that Jesus is peace to you. He's, right away, he's, he's knowing this is what we're about. This is who we are, and we're not ashamed of it. Joseph, we're, we want to bestow the peace of God on you today. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, and, and it, he just, he said, okay. So then it's like, okay, I think this is it. This is, this is the guy. And so he said, Joseph, do you, and, and, and we, we continued to ask him questions, and we said, what happened to your back, Joseph? And he said, 20 years ago, he was on his bike, and he was hit by a car, and he was in a coma. And, and back then, the, uh, the, um, the, the med- medical um, arena there is just, it was hardly anything. Now, Cape Town is, is, is increased in that now, but um, they thought he was dead. And so after being in a coma for a while, they put him in a morgue, and, uh, and he woke up in the morgue. Um, but he, uh, he was completely stuck like this. I mean, he had had surgery and everything like that, but he couldn't stand up straight, continued to have back pain, headaches, was drinking to, to numb that pain, was, was doing drugs to numb that pain, um, was, was jobless, was yelling at his family, was abusing his kids. And we said, Joseph, do you think that maybe Jesus could heal you? Of, of what you're experiencing today. And he said, he thought about it. He said, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Okay, well, that's more than nothing. Then that's more than a no. So, uh, so we, we laid our hands on his heart, and we laid our hands on his head, and we laid our hands on his back. And the three of us prayed for him. And, and I say this because, because God uses his people, okay? But, but it's God moving in and his spirit moving into somebody's life. And so we prayed for him, and we left. And we said, we'll come back in a couple days. Well, we were back at our team house and, and staying there, and I was making dinner uh, with my fiance Michelle, and, and, and somebody comes in, and they said, you know that guy Joseph who, who you guys visited yesterday, two days ago, uh, whatever it was? Yeah, we remember him, yeah. Um, well, a couple guys from the team went to go visit him today. He's standing straight up. 
and and we were just like, what? This is really this is this is incredible. And so uh, we left right there. I mean, dinner was late that night uh, because uh, we're going to go and see Joseph. And so we get in the car and we we go to to see Joseph. And and here he is. He meets us at the door and he says, God healed me and I can stand up straight, and I can run, and I don't have any more headaches, and I stop drinking, and I stop doing drugs, and I don't yell at my kids anymore, and my wife loves me, and I love my wife, and Jesus is in the middle of my life. And we said, I mean, speechless first, I mean, praising God for sure. Um, and, and after talking to him more, he said he went to bed that night, still in pain, and he woke up and he had the greatest night of sleep he's ever had. He never slept at night because of how his back was and how his head was. He never slept. And he had the greatest night of sleep in his life. And he woke up the next morning standing straight up, completely healed. And now that man is helping to lead a house church in his home. And he tells people all around, this is what God's done to me. This is what God's done in my life. And he can do that for you too. And that is a man of peace right there. And we baptized him in the sea, and he is growing exponentially daily. And that is, that is what Jesus is saying right here in Luke 10. That can happen, okay? And, and we, we rejoice that God has, has healed him, but we look at, at the disciples and say, when they came back and they were overjoyed, and they said, God, or Jesus, the, the, the demons submitted to us in your name. And Jesus said, don't rejoice about that. Rejoice that names are written in heaven. And so we can rejoice, we can, we can praise God that, that, that he's healed Joseph and that he, he is a healer, but we know that already, okay? We know that he can do that. So that shouldn't be a surprise to us. It was a surprise to me, and it's not anymore to me. But, it, but, but we rejoice because Joseph's name is written in heaven. His wife Lulama's name is written in heaven now, and they are following Jesus. And it happens that way, and it happens in very different ways. That's a very dynamic way, and, and it's quick. But there are also these slow-burning uh, men, men and women of peace, too, that it takes time, and it warms up, and, and it is for specific reasons. For Joseph, God met his need right where he needed to be met that day. Uh, for, for Rod's neighbor... He meets him exactly where he needs to be for where he's at right now. And Rod's going to explain that a little bit to you right now. Well, I'm, I'm not going to say much. Uh, much, Don. Um, isn't this exciting to think that, because we all know Brad. Brad, this is no offense to you. You're just an ordinary guy. <laughs> and I'm looking at a bunch of ordinary people. And the only reason I'm going to tell you a little bit about my neighbor, I'm sure there's probably 100 stories like this out there that have been brewing even in the last several months. But when John DeVries came here, I don't know, in January, and he just said, you know what? I mean, this is my takeaway. Start praying for your neighborhood. Pray for the houses. Pray for, pray for your neighbors. And then Tony got up. And, and shared about he started doing that with his family. Because I started doing it just a little bit. But when Tony got up, um, I started thinking, holy cow, i got to take this a little more seriously. And i still got a long way to go. Um, but Bruce, are you here? The only reason I want to ask right now is because he's come to our church a couple of times. This is my neighbor across the street. And he, uh, he came over to my house about a month ago with urgency. And I just thought, shoot, Bennett, what have you done now? <laughs> and he walked right into my door and right into my kitchen. And he proceeded to tell me, just cut right through all the chase. 
And he said, Rod, for the last month, I feel God. I feel him in my house. I feel him working in my family. He said, I got one major thing in my life right now that's major that I need to give up. I know I need to give it up if I'm going to accept God. And I just looked at him and I told him, I said, look, dude, I'm not taking any credit for this, but I just want you to know I've been praying for you. And I will pray for that thing right there. He's in process. I saw him last week. He welcomed me over before he'd never even look at me. Just talked for a long time. I feel like I'm getting some, some groundwork. Randy back there has a similar story, except his even went further. He and Marcia uh, got into a home of one of his neighbors, and um, over time of them crying out for need in their marriage and then other things, they led them to the Lord. They're doing a Bible study with them. Again, I'm not here to just talk about what the staff is doing. I know these are stories you guys have as well. But this is the kind of deal that we want to be about as a community, as a city of God, reaching the city of Grand Rapids. And I want to just lay out a couple of things. I know we got a um, handout for everybody, and maybe we could hand that thing out right now. Um, by the way, there are people that aren't here, and... I don't know if this CD will be available to people who aren't here, who are kind of missing us share our vision, but the best thing would be word of mouth. If you guys would just um, get the word out as to what we're talking about today, that would be huge. We came up with five things that we'd like to be about over the next two weeks leading to the rest of our life. Um, go ahead. We don't have enough for everybody to take one each. So if you could just take one per family right now. Um, we will have them posted up on the website too so that you can, you can get more copies of that later. But if you could just take one per family, that'd be great. That's good. Um, one of the five things is this. We want you guys to gather. And there's so many ways that we can gather. We can gather as community groups, house churches, if you're in one. Um, we can gather as families, we can gather as life transformation groups, whoever you're doing life with right now in terms of the kingdom of God, we want you to find that community of people and to gather with them. Um, I think one of the things that we have forgotten as followers of Christ is the power of the home and the power of hospitality in the home. Now, Jesus said something that I think is significant. He said this. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a woman with three seas of grain or yeast or flour. What's he talking about? How is that the kingdom of heaven? What? Exactly. Something to share but Jesus is referencing, and everybody in his audience knows exactly what he's referencing. He's referencing a story. Which one? Genesis 18. So Jesus is saying the kingdom of God goes all the way back to Genesis 18 when Abraham and Sarah welcomed three strangers in their home. And they did it with three seas of flour. And three seas of flour are 40 pounds. So they just 
have this feast, and the Jesus' point is this. I don't think we think of the kingdom of heaven this way going forth, but it's when we welcome strangers, when we wo- open our homes to people. In fact, I had a powerful experience of this when I was in Israel. Um, we went to this Bedouin community, and I kid you not, Bedouins are, are, are modern-day shepherds. As we approached this Bedouin community, think tents, think camels, and, and all of that, you know, the, the, the whole headgear. As we approached it, 50 people now, you got to picture this, 50 Americans approaching this community, dressed in our American clothes, looking very American. First thing that comes running out to us are who? The kids. Probably about 20 of them come running out to greet us. We're still not 200 yards yet from this thing. They can't speak our language, but they're just smiling and, and all that kind of stuff. They lead us to their place, their home. Make a long story short, we refused, but the, the, the mother of this home insisted that she give us tea and she feed us bread. And we watched her literally right before us make bread for us. And we just started talking through the translator, asking different questions about her life as a Bedouin and what that looks like. And I'll never forget this question that someone asked. What is it that you live for? And I heard the word, shalom. She said, I want to bring shalom. Now think about this. That woman is a Muslim. How would you respond? If 50 Muslims came walking down your street, would you send your kids out to greet them? Would you have a meal prepared? Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a woman with three seas of grain. Let's gather. Let's gather with each other. Let's invite our neighbors in. And let's gather so the kingdom of God can powerfully go forth. Um, If you don't have a place to gather because this is church to you, then that's exposing something. And this is what that's exposing. It's exposing that you really aren't in the church. Because the church isn't a building. The church isn't a program. The church is community. It's the people. And we want to do whatever we can from our end. We can't make promises, but we are here to serve you getting in with other brothers and sisters. Okay? Find us. And it's one of those, help me so we can help you. Okay? Get to us. Um, Let me just say a little bit what this might look like for my family on a Sunday morning. Um, I can see us waking up, and maybe instead of waking up at 5.30 or 6 that morning, we'll take advantage of some things, Um, get up maybe around 6.37. I can see Libby and I just being ready to have a gathering with our family. And this is so biblical because mom and dad are priests. You're the first priest that there is to your kids. And so I want you to be that. And this, these next two weeks are going to allow for that. I want you as husband and wife, or if you're a single mom, 
or a single father to, to be prepared to gather with your kids to pour into them, to teach them from God's word, to pray with them, to share your heart with them. Uh, the other thing that I could see us doing is then um, preparing them for something that Brad's going to talk about in just a second, but I can see Gabe and Bennett heading out down that part of the neighborhood, and Gabe, or Libby, Kate, and myself going the other direction, and we're just going to prayer walk, and we're going to pray for every home. And then we're going to get back, and we're going to talk about it. And then I could also see uh, later that afternoon, we have the Ulins that go to our church, uh, we have the Bennetts that go to our church, we have the Dempsters that go to our church, who are all in our neighborhood. I could see us just uh, feasting with them, uh, cooking out, and maybe as we've been doing what Brad's talking about, maybe there are people of peace that we're also inviting into our home that we've met as well. Okay? That's what it looks like if you want just where the rubber meets the road. So if you look on here, um, the, the first, first thing we have on here is pray on the right side of, of that. Um, that is, is, is the first and foremost aspect of what this is all about. Um, just for, for just putting it into into an into a personal standpoint for us going out and finding Joseph, it took us uh, saying, God, we want to follow you today. We want you to lead us. And it was it was praying for those people. It's Rod and his family before they go out into their neighborhood praying and saying, God, would you would you reveal to us what this looks like? It is simply meeting in community and praying together. Um, if you if you don't have, I mean, prayer can take various different looks, it can have various different looks to it. Uh, if, if you are somebody who doesn't, who feels like I don't have community, I don't know who I'm going to do this with. Um, we've heard from up here before, um, we have the Bridge Street House of Prayer. Get down there. Be in community with those folks in prayer. We have the Stockbridge Boiler Room. Their 24-7 prayer starts tonight for this next week. How, I mean, how, how perfect of timing is that? I mean, Get to their 8 o'clock prayer. Come and sign up for a prayer time. Be in community in those places that are surrounded by prayer and let the spirits pour, out of, uh, pour into you and then let that pour out into you where you are at in your workplace, in your neighborhood, whatever your street corner is. Um, but another aspect of what prayer is is prayer walking. And um, I know for, for many of you, you've never prayer walked before and you need to know that is okay because it's not something that is, is necessarily put as an important piece in, in the Western society. But I tell you what, all over the world, that is, that is what's happening. People are prayer walking, and that is, that is what's breaking forth in people's lives. Because what you are doing then is you're not simply just staying and praying in your home, which is easy to do, but as you're walking down your street, as you're walking in your neighborhood, you're actually seeing what you're praying for. You're interacting with people that you're praying for. You're able to say, this is what we're doing. We're praying. What can we pray for you about? Simple as that. It's not, it's not we have to come up with some fancy, how do, how do, how do we say that we're praying? Um, just pray. Just, just pray and include people in on it. And, I mean, include people who are part of other churches in on this. That's, that's the unity of the body right there. Is it's just, this shouldn't be just crossroads. But, but welcome those people who are in your neighborhood who may go to other churches, who may be a part of the body of Christ, but who you never interact with. Invite them in to pray with you. Um, who knows what that could stem out into. It could stem out into, like the Kubots have, a prayer gathering that they have now. Um, and, 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 you know, who knows what that could bring. But what prayer walking is, and just to give you some ideas, and just so you know, um, right up here, if, if this is something that is, is kind of a foreign thing, and you, we want 
we want to walk with you in on this, okay? So as Rod mentioned before, John DeVries put it out there. And so what, what we have here are these, these little brochures that, that are just prayer walking guides that don't outline for just, okay, next Sunday go prayer walk and then the 21st go prayer walk. But from today until next Saturday, the first week, this is what you should be praying, you could be praying for in your neighborhood. And from next Sunday to the next Saturday, this is what you could be praying for in your neighborhood. And from the next Sunday to the next Saturday, this is what you can be praying for, okay? So it's three weeks of doing church this way, of being the church, okay? And so if you need one of those, if that would be helpful for, t- for you, please come up and take it. Um, again, maybe just one for family because I don't know how many we have. Um, but that it may start with you, as we said last week, asking God for the kingdom of God to break forth in your, in your neighborhood. God, would your, would your kingdom come in this neighborhood. Um, there's a passage in Isaiah 62 that says, For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet till her righteousness shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. I have posted watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. This is the same for your neighborhood, that, that, that God wants you to be those watchmen in your neighborhood, to give God no rest until, until he's established his kingdom in your neighborhood and he's breaking forth that way. That's just where it starts. So prayer is just huge, guys, and, it's, and it begins with you um, simply saying, um, I take my wife and my kids, um, take, take my group of friends, and just, just moving on it. That's, that's that first start. All right, uh, these other ones won't take quite as long. Uh, the third word is the word encourage, and um, that's what we're called to do. We're, we're called to not neglect the habit of meeting together. We're called to gather, um, but we're called, and we're called to encourage one another as we see the day drawing near. And, you know, when I think about that Hebrews text and compare it to where we are as Christians. You know, Christians have such a reputation right now for being so critical. Do you guys realize that? We're the most critical people on the face of the earth. We want to be about encouraging brothers and sisters. And there are so many easy ways to do that. We're going to do it when we gather. But maybe God just puts someone on your heart to have lunch with. Just talk kingdom of God stuff. Share stories. High five that person. Say, praise God. I bless God for you. Another thing that we thought about too, and Some of you might feel led still on a Sunday morning to get up, either with your family or maybe by yourself or maybe even with your community, that you're going to go to another church. And go there. Don't don't go with a big banner. Crossroads Bible Church is here. But listen, (laughs) go there to pray for them and to encourage them. And be like, yes. And maybe even you got your tithe in your back pocket, and that's going to be the place where you're going to encourage them by, by, by writing a big, healthy check. Because there's a lot of churches in this community right now that are struggling financially. Wouldn't it be awesome if, if we could just be a blessing to other churches? So, encourage. And that could just be something that, as you're out prayer walking in your neighborhood, maybe you've never even really walked through, but you don't really know what the needs are that are in your neighborhood until you actually get out there and you're, you're asking questions and you're seeing. And I mean, I've got this guy down the road who I, w- I would love to paint his house. It's just a need that he has, and he has no time to do it. And he's talked about how he wants to do it. I'm not sure how it's going to happen, but you know, I'll give, give thought to that. 
and really and really see what that could look like. I mean, it may it may mean coming alongside of people and 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 simply listening to them uh, when they need to when they need to talk. Or or like Rod said, I mean, God has blessed this community, um, and and He's allowed for us to move into this time and um, and allowed us financially to move into this time. And so if there's a need that a financial need that's in your neighborhood or in somebody that I mean. Sometimes we hold like this. I mean, let it let it go and allow allow God to minister through that through that gift to them. Whether it's it's I mean, in, in whatever way that might be. But um, serving might look like that. It might look like bringing neighbors in and and practicing hospitality, practicing um, uh, bringing people in and and making a meal for them, um, having them over and spending time with them and allowing them to just kind of get away or or to not have to to work on getting the kids and a meal and, and all of that ready, but allowing yourself to just say, we're going we're gonna to do this for you and we're going to bless you in this. Or maybe it's, you know, dropping meals off, kind of like ding-dong, ditch it kind of thing at people's houses. I don't know, but, I mean, that could be kind of fun too. So um, be creative with it. God's, God's given us each, each passions and gifts, and part of that is so that we can use those uh, in, in acts of service. And so, so be open-minded about it. Be, be willing to, to be out of your box a little bit in regards to what it means to serve your community, serve your neighborhood. I mean, take your kids down to, down, down to Division Avenue and spend time chatting with people. That's pretty fun. And, uh, and I mean, go to the pavilion and spend time, spend, you know, spend time there. Um, there's just so many opportunities and so many needs that are in this community right now um, that, that we as a church ought to be reaching a hand out and... Um, and providing encouragement and, and service and, and, and showing Jesus to people that way. So then the fifth thing is celebrate. And I just already saw you guys celebrate this morning in ways that I don't even see on a normal Sunday morning. When Brad told that story, there was pure joy in this place. And that's not like we're all going to have stories at that level, but we're going to have stories to tell. And so when we come back here, uh, not next Sunday or the next Sunday, but the following Sunday, um, be ready to uh, celebrate and maybe tell a story of the kingdom of God. Are there any questions? We do our best to communicate what we feel has been placed on our hearts. Um, Please tell me you guys are just doing your best right now to keep all your excitement inside right now. Question. You guys can raise your hand too. We, we're loud and proud around here. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. question was if we know people who aren't here we're trying to record this too so I'm going to ask the question uh, if, if we know who if we know people who aren't here how do we get this information to them yeah. well like Brad just said we have it recorded well let's start first first I think we got to do our best to identify who those people are um, second thing is the best way to uh, get people excited about anything is word of mouth 
That's why this church has never marketed anything. We don't put our thing in the newspaper. We don't put our thing in the billboards. We love the fact that we are under the radar. Keep us as far under the radar as you can because then we know that the people that are really coming to this church aren't coming because of some cheesy advertisement. That's not to say all advertising is cheesy. I take that back. (laughs) But it's simply because the kingdom of God, it's relational. It's communal. It's like, did you hear? Did, Did you... Let's go. Let's lock arm in arm. So I think the best way to do it is just tell people and use the resources then of the CD. We have the written material as well. Uh, we'll get the word out. And if they come up next week and the next week, at, at, come to Crossroads <laughs> for that reason. We, we are still going to have the sign up. And um, we're going to welcome people in who maybe are first-time first time visitors. We're going to welcome them in to, to be a part of this. This is the kind of church we are. Yeah. And, and come back on the 28th and celebrate with us too. One last question now. Yeah. Oh, thank you for asking that. The question is, do we stay just in our neighborhood? And really, I wanted to find, my wife said, make sure you tell them what neighborhood is or street corner is. Your, your street corner is, first of all, where you live, but you don't have to limit it to just the people right out there. I think that's primarily where you want to start. But some of you live in the country. Some of you just don't have a neighborhood that's conducive to that. I, say, I would still say don't give up on it. But your neighbors are wherever you do life. It's your workplace. It's, it's Grand Rapids. It's every, your school. Whatever you feel God leading you to. Thank you for asking that. I want, I want to take one more back there. You guys had your hands up. I don't know if you still have your question. I love that question. Um, get that need to us. Again, I don't want to overpromise, underdeliver, but we want to serve you guys to help you identify uh, because really the church is, it is networking and relationships and community and you guys need to know the people in your little area where you do life, other brothers and sisters. We'd be happy to serve you, but you got to get that request to us. Once again, if you, if you have not... This is, this may be something that we've already covered, but um, we want to communicate as best as possible, like Rod said. So if you have, for some reason, never filled out the information on the, on the quad that has your, your email information, whether you've given, given somebody else, given Randy, Rod, or myself, or somebody else your email address before, please, if you have never filled out the quad the quad, the, the information that's on the quad, please do that today because we would really like to, we, we're going to be sending out emails and things like that to, to, to encourage and to update and all of that throughout. And so if you, if you have never done that, please do that today and put it at the Connection Center. Max, if your question is really important, I'll take it. Okay. Make his name great. That's good. All right.